All right. Well, third time's the charm. Challenge. Hi. Again for the third time. Hopefully. Good morning. Once yet again. Good morning for the third time. Okay. Let's, let's get, get into it. I was in the middle of making a recommendation to Lauren when our sound went weird. So I'm going to get back into it. Lauren, you what? have to try the Airy Eyelet pajamas. Really? They're really cute. They're just really darling. They're really uh, comfy, stretchy, cozy. And they're just also like make you feel cute while you're lounging and sleeping. And I'm used to wearing like a large pair of underwear and then a large t-shirt that says like third eye blind or something. <laughs> okay, here's my problem. And I would love to try out these pajamas. I would absolutely love that. I am a pajama person. I, I know love you cute are. pajamas. I have lots of cute sets. But however, I bought a few Abercrombie & Fitch sets recently and Kagan looked at me dismayed. I emerged from the bathroom in our hotel in Cancun in a new pajama set mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he looked at me with dismay in his eyes and was like, I never have met someone who needs so many different pajamas. <laughs> and then he accused me of having a shopping addiction. Not really. Like he didn't really accuse me of it. He just was like, it just is cause for concern. It's like there's always like new pajamas. Like, is this something you're addicted to? Is this a problem? And I think he like doesn't understand that like a lot of women or like at least women of our variety shop continually. Like there's no end to like newness. Right, right. Of course. It's not like I like shop and then I'm like, okay, my wardrobe is good for this finite amount of time. No. Like, like no, that. it's not like it's ever complete. No. I have an event coming up. I'll definitely need something new. 100%. Like, <sighs> anytime we're on a trip, I'm not going to wear anything you've ever seen before. It's so funny that you bring up swimsuits because I was just recently going through some of my swim some of my clothes and my swimsuits and I thought to myself, these are all like fine, but I've worn them so many times like I can't possibly wear them this summer. A hundred percent. Before Cancun, I bought two new bikinis with little cute bandanas that match. Mm -hmm. I had the cutest little look. I'll send you a pic. And when I came down to breakfast in my getup, I thought Kagan would find this look completely charming and darling. And oh my gosh, you would appreciate the thought you'd put into everything. Just so whimsical, mm -hmm. so charming. She always surprises and me. She always keeps it fresh. Totally. No, instead it's like, wow, when you're buying things, do, do you just think like, what can I buy that's like as over the top as possible? <laughs> that was his comment on my look. That's so. honestly unforgivable. Okay. He's just not a fan basically of my fashion in any way, but you know, there's other strengths to our relationship. Totally fine. Okay. So uh, I guess this pajama recommendation is moot for you, but yeah, for I'm the really, listeners. for the listeners, I'm really into them. The other thing that has been on my mind is my search for a for lodgings this summer in New York. So yes, okay. I'm putting a call out. I know we have some NYC listeners. If anybody knows of a charming, rustic, updated, sleek, high ceiling, lots of natural light, low in rent slash free for the month, a lodging situation, please let me know. I'm trying to move there in July. My timing's flexible. I could do six weeks. I could do you know maybe eight. I don't know who's to say. But I'm moving there for a little bit this summer, and I am looking for a place to stay, a room. I'll need a desk as well, so furnished, of course. So yeah, those are my those are my qualifications. I love how like this call out is made to our Patreon subscribers, like a very small pool of oh. listeners. These these are the people I trust the most to find me this gorgeous apartment for the summer. And when I say yeah, apartment, absolutely. I do mean the I would like to have the entire place to myself. I don't want any roommates. Um, What's your budget? I'm just kidding. Actually, I would happily live with roommates. I just need a bedroom that is adequate 
and somewhat close to the Upper West Side, if not in the Upper West Side. My budget is I will not I'm not disclosing my budget on the on the air. Okay, great. I think that's going to be really helpful when people are mm-hmm. trying to figure out if it's you can private message me if you'd like to know my budget. Okay, and maybe somebody wants to give up their apartment, their room for the summer or for a month and just bop around. I will pay your rent and come live in your room. So I'm also willing to make that deal. How long are you going to be there? Five to six weeks? I said it's flexible. I mean, like a month is probably the most like clean cut for like rent purposes. But if somebody, if we're both feeling like the vibe is right in our respective locations, we can maybe, I could stay a little longer. Okay. Like a little Cameron Diaz, like holiday. What's that? What's that? Swap. Holiday swap or like the, yeah, the it's called the holiday. They they swap houses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't have you. an I don't really have an apartment to offer you. That's the critical <laughs> part of this. Is that I'm looking I'm giving up my apartment at the end of June so I can save money for a few months at least because I I'm, I'm not going to be like moved into somewhere new in August or September. So, yeah, I'm looking to save money. So, please okay, do not so think this that this a- is a swap. This is not a swap. This is this is a pure sublet. It could be a one-way swap where you want to go vacation or go stay maybe back home with your parents for a month and save some money. And you want to Mm -hmm. give me your bedroom, that would be great. Okay, speaking of New York real estate, should we get into the new WeWork documentary? What an amazing segue on your part. Thank you. Are you complete with the pitch to the listeners? Do you Um, want to continue? I'm complete. Okay. Unlike your wardrobe, I am complete. Yes. Chandler, this documentary was so good. Yeah, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed watching it. I will say that it was a little long. I didn't think that it needed to be two hours long, for the record. It was a little lengthy, but I enjoyed every second. I could have done longer. Really? Okay. I was like, by the time they started going into the COVID ending, I was like, all right, let's wrap it up. Anyways, let's give the the some context. I found the COVID ending to be really strange. Yes, so strange. I I would have cut out the entire COVID ending. I completely agree. It was super weird and like a little departure from the entire rest of the documentary. it started to feel like a commercial, like at the end, like a Johnson & Johnson commercial. And I'm just like, oh, that's enough. I don't want any more of these like sweeping, like h- human truths. Okay. I get enough of that at work. Yeah. I feel like at the end, they were like trying to get to like how the importance of actually being together and working together and seeing the human face every day and like how what? critical that is. Don't you think that that was like the point of like the little ending? Montage? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. It was to be like, we need places like we work more than ever. And I'm like, Adam, is that you? I was like, actually, I think everyone has loved not seeing people. Right. <laughs> I think everyone has loved working from bed. I'm doing just fine. In fact, work sends me a survey every six weeks to be like, do you want to go back into the office? And I'm like, I'm literally going to be clicking no until the end of time. (laughs) Truly, there's nothing better than not having to go into the office, not having to commute, not having to schlep, not having all of that inefficiency in your life. I've worked from cute pajamas all week long. Like, tell me there's a more beautiful life experience out there. Show it to me. Show it to me. Truly. Okay, let's get into this because it's so funny. You guys, this documentary, it's so good. It's so fascinating. Okay, so the documentary is about WeWork, which we all know what WeWork is, so I'm not going to explain. It's a co-working space. I guess I just did. Anyway. It's a real estate company. Yeah. So Adam Newman is this very charismatic like business guy. He's a young guy. He grew up on a kibbutz in Israel. Kibbutz. Mm-hmm. He grew up in a kibbutz in Israel. And then he moved to NYC when he was like early 20s. And he starts a few businesses, the most memorable being a knee pad business for babies, which is the, hilarious. The slogan there a, definitely made sense to me. The minute he said the slogan, I was like, oh, he's got a point. The slogan well, was, is- if they just because they can't talk doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Something like that. Something more <laughs> succinct. 
It honestly is true. It's hilarious. So it was like knee pads sewn into the lining of pants for little babies. The problem is this doesn't work if you want to have your babies in like, like anything but long jeans. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not a very cute baby aesthetic, although it is highly functional and definitely provides padding for their little knees. Yeah. So you have to sacrifice some aesthetics for their comfort. I don't think that's something Courtney would be comfortable with but definitely anyway so he's like starting these businesses nothing that none of the, very successful but he's looking for commercial space for his businesses and then while he's looking for commercial space he has this idea to subdivide it like lease a space subdivide it and rent it out and so that's how we work is born and what was so funny is like in the documentary he's talking about like we work to his He's talking about, gosh, I'm having a hard time. Let me think. Okay. Um, okay. So what's funny in the documentary is he's talking about like what WeWork is. And really, it's just commercial office space. It's like a commercial office space leasing company that has like a huge passion for West Elm furniture. That's basically what it is. And like, like microbrewery like type energy. Totally. It's like a well-designed co-working space. But the way he's talking about it, it's like, this is changing the way humans work and interact with each other. And through that, we're changing the world. And it's just all this jibber jabber nonsense. It's the classic gobbledygook mumbo jumbo of like cult leaders everywhere. Of startup culture. And I think that is what's so obnoxious about so much of like working in those environments is because mm-hmm. not only do you have to work at a startup where you're working so hard, you're wearing so many hats, you're doing so many things, you work such intense hours, you work for less pay, right? but then you also have to be like drinking the Kool-Aid and talking about how you're right. like like app to play music to babies is going to like change the foundation of the human experience. Right. It's like your life's mission to be working on this app. Totally. Which I think we just both find so nauseating and like such an additional stressor for the person having to work in corporate America. We've talked about this a million times. The idea that your job provides you all the fulfillment you've ever been wanting or yearning or searching for is such a lie that was sold to us. And I honestly, I take serious umbrage with like companies like WeWork that just like perpetuate, that just like play on that. And it's like, we're selling you office space. We're selling you a desk. Totally. Yeah. We're selling you a well-designed office space. Like we don't need to also be like chanting about how like the we community is going to be a new generation of people who don't, this is literally what he said. It's like the people that don't see race, don't see color, don't see class, don't see gender yes. that are like literally this new species of, of evolved humans. Say? He was like, and what's next? Is it solving the problem of children without parents? <laughs> Honestly, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's like one of the funniest lines in the whole documentary. <laughs> what's next? Solving the problem of children without Like what? Parents. Orphans? Like WeWork will permanently erase <laughs> the problem of orphans. Like what? I'm like, wait, I just had this like mental image of like WeWork like placing children in homes. I'm like, wait, <laughs> this is what we're tackling? And then he, was, he even gave it like a time limit. He was like, we could have it solved in two years. He's like, I want it solved in two years with a waiting list of parents for children because all the children without parents are taken. That is how like insane. And I thought on another level, like it was actually really hard to tell who was a WeWork employee and who was like a WeWork client, like who worked there and who worked for them because both, I feel like both people were sold on this like 
way of life and like style of living and everybody was drinking the Kool-Aid. And that's what was what's really interesting about its premise is that not only are its like members and clients buying into it, but like the employees are as well. A hundred percent. And I think that, well, the the employees, they were forced to go to like summer camps essentially, which were essentially just like Tony Robbins-esque seminars Mm -hmm. where they had to go to a bunch of like, you know, motivational speaker talks about how to live the life that they've always dreamed of. (laughs) It looked like business Coachella. Like it was just business Coachella. Totally. And they actually had tracking devices on them to make sure that they were attending the talks. Like it was just such like a culty, it's such cult insanity. And yeah, anyway, they were trying to engender this like serious devotion and they were selling this like BS that everyone in the company had equity. Everyone in the company like was going to be an owner. That's why they could work for less. That's why they didn't need to be paid a full amount because one day they would all be rich off of the equity. And what's hilarious about that is it just goes to show how few people understand the way stock options work. Right, right. Stock options are a security. They're an option to buy something at a later time. They're not, they're an option to buy equity. They're not actual equity yet. You actually have to buy it. And you have options to buy at a certain price. And like, what price is that compared to the options that are already in the pool? And then also there's what's called common and preferred shares. And what most people don't realize is the investors have preferred shares and the employees have common shares, which means investors get paid out first. Anyway, it can be, it's a pipe dream in many cases to actually realize your shares for a lot of companies or at least a lot of startups. So basically the whole synopsis is they get a bunch of money, they get a ton of investment, and then they get a huge influx in 2017 from SoftBank, like a Japanese fund. SoftBank is hot. SoftBank is hot and SoftBank invests a ton of money in them. And so it makes their valuation go to 20 billion. I think SoftBank invests 8 billion. Quick question. Yeah. Do you think anyone who works soft will ever see uh, any type of SoftBank type investment? Honestly, absolutely. Because what's hilarious about the SoftBank investment is the entire meeting was like to do, to give this investment. The CEO of SoftBank, he just does like a 12-minute tour of like the kombucha beer room and the like West Elm space. And then he's like, I got to roll. If you want, you can go in my car with me and continue talking. And then they just like chat some more and he's like, think bigger. Here's 20 or $8 billion. (laughs) No, no, no. Everyone, listen up. If if the SoftBank founder ever approaches you about your business and he asks you this question, he says, who's going to win in a fight? The crazy man (laughs) or the smart man? You answer and you say the crazy man, okay? And then he's going to say go crazier and that's when he'll give you your money. That's how you do it. It's just just follow those simple steps. It's like just add water for getting mm-hmm. $8 billion to your company. Like just yeah. hit, hit up that dude and just tell him the crazier man. Yep. And it's just so interesting, I think, because the SoftBank dude, he gets all of his money. They talk about this in the documentary from like oil tycoons in Saudi Arabia. Like basically the hugest, most wealthy people are investing in his fund. And they're people that know that like their businesses have an expiration date. And so they want to invest in the next Google or Facebook. Right. And so they put all this huge pressure on the SoftBank fund to yield massive returns. And so that pressure gets transferred onto businesses like WeWork that they're investing in with very little due diligence, it appears. Mm-hmm. So what's so amazing is they take this money and they start all these like bullshit sister brands. 
like we grow, which is an elementary school, like the bougiest elementary school you've ever seen in your life. Did you see the interview with Gwyneth Paltrow that the, yes, that the, the founder's co- wife did? The cousin. She's Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin. She's Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin. And so this was another point of contention in the documentary. Like, so the founder's wife is just way too involved. And she's just like way too powerful in the company, Adam Newman's wife. And she's like this very like faux spiritual, like mumbo jumbo guru with like very little business acumen. And she makes the case that she couldn't find any school on the West or the East Coast that would not only teach her child, but nourish their child's soul. And so they had to create- Soul and spirit. The soul and spirit, two different things. Very important. Two different things. So it's just so hilarious. They create We Live, which is like micro apartments where you not only where you basically just like go to sleep in a little pod and then spend your entire time in communal living environments it's it's adult dorms it's totally adult dorms like that only works if you are an extreme extrovert and you have no basically no private life like Mm -hmm. no partner like that doesn't work at all if you're actually dating someone Right, right. Unless you're in college, which is when you should live in something like a dorm that only has a sink, no kitchen. Totally. So then they create like We Rise, which is a um, a gym. They create all these sister brands that basically go nowhere and don't make any money. And they're just spending, they're burning all this cash because they think they're going to get a new influx of investment from SoftBank. So they're spending money thinking that the Japanese billions are always going to be rolling in. On Christmas Eve, Adam Newman gets a call from the founder of SoftBank saying, sorry, but it's not, we're not going to be able to do the next big $16 billion investment. And they are like, swiftly running out of cash. And so they have to do a really quick IPO to get retail investment. And I guess like a part of this IPO process, like I'm a tech, I'm barely in the tech world. I'm barely in the business world. But a part of going public and doing the IPO is you have to make this video. It's almost like you're running for like student body president or something. It's like you have to create this like video. And so there's this whole scene where he's trying to read off this script about how the, the real estate market is rapidly changing. It's becoming a blah, blah, blah. And he cannot nail it. Like literally he is, you can just tell that he is frazzled. And so from my perspective, as I'm watching this and seeing that the shoot was going like into the night, early hours of the morning, and he just cannot get it. And he's just, he's not actually being rude. It doesn't seem like he's being rude. He's just like, not really taking it seriously and can't just like get it done. And then like he's trying to like joke around and just as someone who's on usually on the other end of the things trying to like get talent to like do the do what they're uh, asked to do. I cannot imagine how frustrated the whole production crew must have been because not only was there the stress of just like, okay, we have to make this video. But then it was like, if we don't make this video, we can't do the IPL. Like it's, we can't do this road show is what they call it. Right. Yeah. And apparently Chandler, there were like like multi-hundred thousand dollar shoots. He just didn't even show up for it. Right. Right. Yeah. So eventually they do the IPO. And one of the craziest things that comes out in what's called an S1, which is like this formal document that mm-hmm. you submit to the treasury to do an IPO. And one of the craziest things that comes out is that he bought the trademark to the word we and then sold it to his own company to personally enrich himself for like $6 million. And I think that's one of like the big issues in the documentary that they talk about is like the whole time he's preaching this like religion of the community and like everyone benefiting. And it's all about the we, it's not about the I. Whereas really he is just personally enriching himself so much and 
everyone who's actually working so hard and buying what he's selling just gets screwed. Yeah. And anyway, the S1 reveals their extremely insolvent business. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how, like in most S1s, the founders mentioned maybe 15 times. Like he was mentioned 40 times. Right. Oh, no. He was mentioned – I think it was mentioned like 160 times. Okay. Yeah. There was a crazy difference. Right. And it was just – it was basically just all bullshit. Like their entire business was BS and they were burning an insane amount of cash. And one of the most hilarious things for me – I did some a little more research, but one of the most hilarious things was – so there's a very similar company called IWG that's based out of the UK. And IWG, it's not as chic as WeWork, but okay. it's the same business essentially. And their numbers, like the health of their balance sheet, their PL, are much better than WeWork's numbers. So, like, they're, how much global square footage they have, IWG has more. How many actual members they have, IWG has like triple the amount of members. They yeah. have like triple the amount of locations, double the amount of countries, double the revenue. They have like, much more profit because we work as in a loss. Also, However, I just want to call out that it's called International Workplace Group. It's like got a very like normal basic name. It's not trying to sell you any sort of like horses like gospel. Their employees know that they just work for a commercial leasing company. Right. They don't have to like, they don't think they work for like the world's next great religion. Right, right. But what's hilarious is there's an interview with the CEO of IWG and he's like talking about it like post-mortem after all the stuff came out about WeWork Mm -hmm. because – and he's like basically saying, yeah, it was just so crazy because we were looking at it and looking at like all of our – all of our metrics were so much better than WeWork's or the same, but WeWork's valuation – was 47 billions and ours was 3.7 billion and we're just like what are we doing wrong here like why are they worth so much more than us but anyway it just was all nonsense and it's just a really interesting documentary highly recommend you guys yeah i i loved the little scott galloway parts where he was talking about how he says that you know when you can land two rockets simultaneously and smoke weed while you're doing it like elon musk you're seen as quirky and like a genius But if you are smoking weed and creating a bunch of problems for your company, it's like literally seen as criminal. Like investors do not like that. That is not something that they'll find to be fun or endearing. Yeah. Well, and I think that it just – this is a really good documentary because it's so emblematic and it's obviously an extreme version of it, but it's it's so emblematic of – this entire past decade of really cheap money, very little oversight. There's such a startup culture of like magical thinking. Like if you can think it, you can do it. Like that's the whole Theranos thing, how that all blew up and it was all like nonsense and total lies. And what's interesting is like you could blame Adam completely and I think that he deserves a ton of blame, but also like there also needs to be due diligence and oversight on startups. And mm-hmm. if the board isn't doing the work to oversee the CEO and to oversee the business fundamentals, then there also lies some culpability with the oversight committee, with the board. Right, right. And I just think people crave businesses like this. People crave places and work experiences that say they'll give it to you all. They'll give you like the, the meaning you've always been searching for, the wealth you've always wanted. Like there's also a societal like want for that. And I like I've dated guys who worked at startups and I feel like they like love that sort of thing, like totally would fall prey to it. Well, and there's also this like extreme 
ideation or idolization of being a CEO, being a founder, building an empire, changing the world. And honestly, Chana, I was looking at like the sheer energy it would take to be Adam Newman and like be this motivational speaker constantly, this just like charismatic leader, constantly talking about changing the world, constantly going to seminars, constantly leading like team meetings. And I just was like, gosh, I barely have the energy to put out this podcast twice a week. I cannot imagine having to be this like guru CEO. I just don't have it in me. And that's okay. And I've accepted that. And I love that about myself. (laughs) Totally. But anyway, you guys highly recommend watch it. It's on Hulu. Let us know what you think. And also, this this is my last my parting thought. Every man wants to follow in the footsteps of Keith. But oh, why yeah. can neither of these men get a decent effing haircut? Because Chandler, they're too busy. They're like Steve Jobs. No. They can't even think about their outfit. They have to wear the same thing every day. I mean, they if, can't even make a, an appointment for a haircut. If you have a boxing bag, if you have a boxing bag in your office, you can get a barber to come to your <laughs> to come set up shop and do a quick haircut. It takes thirty minutes. I will say that they kept saying how charming, how charismatic Adam was, how when you were in his presence, right. it was just what? like being in the presence of God himself. And I was just like, this guy, I've not been compelled by one word that's come out of his mouth. He literally was just like some lurpy, like awkward guy. <laughs> and honestly, I was watching it with Ben and he was like, truly the most chaotic thing he did was walking barefoot in New York City. That was like, that was oh. the moment for both of us. And it was so Shut funny. Up. Wait, were you guys watching it remotely together? Yeah. Oh my gosh, how do you even do that? Is that a thing you can do? We just like both set up, this is what we do like a couple times a week. We'll just like, we just both go on FaceTime and then start our shows at the same time. Wait, that is so cute. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Actually, that. it's very, very nice cute. because sometimes with FaceTime, it's like, you don't have anything more to talk about. And it's not because you're like bored with, with the person. It's just like, I've gone through my list of things. And then- Totally. With, it's like a with, good way to spend time together. Right. So like oftentimes we'll do, do FaceTime while we like watch a show or like work or whatever, just so we can like hang out together and like, honestly, even just like scroll on our phones at the same time, but just mm-hmm. it's like we're hanging out. So That's so cute. I love that. Modern day romance. All right. Speaking of brands that promise you everything you've ever been searching for. I, yeah. I recently joined a cult myself. And here's how I got here. I was on vacation. I was in all around. And I've really been letting myself indulge. Okay. And mom's house when I was staying there, it somehow has like no food, but somehow plenty of food that you can binge on. Like plenty of random mm-hmm. things. That you're like, there's nothing to eat. So I'm going to eat a lot of these crackers. That it's a lot of like six-month-old dry goods that were bought at Costco. Right. And so it's like somehow you still like can't really eat healthy. So I came back to San Francisco in this state of mind. And I was like, okay, it's time for me to level up. I've been going to 24. Okay. 24, it's like a situation. 24-hour fitness? Yes, 24-hour fitness. I have been wanting to uh, get a tetanus shot every time after I leave just out of precaution. It's like a thing where I just try and go in there and touch as few surfaces as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So after being in New York, I while I was so while I was in New York, Ben took me to the Equinox in Hudson Yards, which is basically the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. It's a sprawling gym. It has an outdoor pool. It wasn't open at the time, but it is absolutely stunning. It overlooks the Hudson or some body of water out there. And it's just like you walk in there and you feel different, okay? Like when they used to talk about like a church, like you walk in the doors and you feel different. I felt that way when I walked into Equinox. I felt richer. I felt more beautiful. I Mm -hmm. felt like I was worthy to be there. 
instantly it mm-hmm. gave me this false sense of superiority that I love, mm-hmm. that I crave. So I joined. I came back to San Francisco and I joined the one by my house. You did. It is a mile walk for me there and back. It's only like 16 or so minutes-ish. But I've only showered there since I've come since I've come home because the, show, well, the water pressure alone is stunning, gorgeous, is worth the, the price every month. It's absolutely beautiful. And I made friends with the like the gentleman who got me all set up. We follow each other on Instagram. It's like I already have personal I have personal trainings. Uh, he's not a romantic fella. He's not interested in my kind. I'll put it that way. And yeah, so now I've joined Equinox and I feel like it's changed my life. I can't stop talking about it. It's more than a gym. It's definitely a cult, and I'm ready to sign that billion-year contract. Like, actually, I've already signed the billion-year contract. Our brand is becoming being very bougie. Like, we got a review recently that was like, these gals, like, love a bougie life, and I love them for it. And anyway, I think we just need to lean into it because truly, there is nothing as restorative as being part of, like, a gorgeous, serene health club that is near your home. It's like – it's honestly like I have a country club. And here's my pitch, Okay. I work all day in my bedroom. I sleep in my bedroom. I eat in my bedroom a lot. Like I spend all my time in these four walls. And while they are gorgeous, like I've been craving just something a little different so I can work from there. I can go there and use the amenities. The amenities Mm -hmm. alone. We're talking steam room. We're talking razors and Kiehl's products and yummy, delicious Kiehl's products that feel good and rich on my body. And those Kiehl's products are going to offset some of the membership costs. Totally. And you, I know you love an amenity. I love an amenity. And I'm just, this is who we are. We love the amenities. Let's, we should maybe make merch that says amenities because (laughs) that is what we're about in this life. I'm about more amenities. I think if you live in a big city, I would go for a, like if you're on a budge, I would go for a cheaper room or a cheaper apartment and also factor in like, okay, I'm going to be paying $300 a month around for a really gorgeous like Equinox membership or health stunning health club membership. Because if you can go there a couple times a week for like three hours, that becomes like an extension of your rent essentially. Exactly. This is Mr. New York's logic because he has a little bit cheaper rent, but he can duck into any Equinox around the city, shower, swim, luxuriate, work out. It's basically like the benefits of going to a really nice hotel, which is you stepping yes. into an oasis. Mm-hmm. That's at your that's suddenly at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. All I love how we're like we hate brands that say they're changing the world, and we're like, but let's talk about luxury gyms, which we think actually are changing I mean, the foundation of human thing. happiness. I don't know who started Equinox. I'd like to thank them kiss them on the mouth at some point, but I'm not interested in uh, working for their corporate life. I am interested in what they have to offer me, but I'm also not interested in moving into an Equinox um, unless they suddenly offered me an adult dorm that matched their their current amenities. Maybe. I don't know. Actually, let's not rule that out. I... Unfortunately, there's actually zero of these types of gyms in Puerto Rico. It's a really dark situation, except mm-hmm. for one. But the cost for this one is, want to take a guess, Jen, before That's I reveal? $500? $60,000 a year. Oh, so it's like a country club. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's the like better it's, of a golf course. It's the Ritz-Carlton Reserve like club. And anyway, yes, unfortunately, I am not a member. I don't think I will well, be becoming a member anytime soon. If you spent less money on pajamas, maybe you could afford it. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, but yeah, on. I was just going to say with this new membership, in the words of Rebecca Newman, I have elevated my consciousness. I can feel it, honestly. You already are more relaxed and a little bit more chilled out. There's something, too, I will say about a nice gym that 
want that you want to spend longer amounts of time in. Like before, I wanted to do a cool 35 to 40 minutes and then be out of that like cesspool. And now it's like, oh no, I could spend an hour and a half here. It's clean. We're clean. Well, I think there's also something about like, like if you don't have somewhere like that to go, you really have to carve out moments of restoration, of serenity. Oh. But if you can, inst- if you instead can think, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go rejuvenate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go into the steam room. I'm going to go into the sauna. I'm going to go into the whirlpool, if you will. You suddenly now are like basically like doing stress therapy multiple times a week. Yeah. And like truly restoring yourself. Honestly, these businesses are changing the world and I'm ready to make my ZipRecruiter application. We've really done a full 180. (laughs) We have. Okay, Chan, speaking of cult-like devotion, I think that we should discuss the Rachel Hollis drama. Yes, yes. Girl, wash your face. Yeah. Rachel Hollis, I do not find to be inspiring in any way and barely have even followed her existence. But apparently this woman has amassed a cult following of devotees. People love her. Which actually gives me hope, Chandler, because every time we put out any sort of content that I think is like we could have done better at, I need to just think of Rachel Hollis and think, okay, Rachel Hollis has a ton of people that love her content, so I need to lower the bar. Okay, the the issue for me was always the font on Girl, Wash Your Face, that book, is like maybe my least favorite font in the entire world. And I just don't trust anyone with bad branding. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you don't have good taste in typography, you can't be our life guru. Yeah, honestly, everything. Anyways, so. Anyways, okay, so I'm just going to play it. So she basically like got some hate for not being relatable like someone she was talking about her like she had a housekeeper and she doesn't say housekeeper though she says like the woman who cleaned my toilets i know but i we already talked about this on this podcast we're not even comfortable saying a word made but no i know i was yeah just don't even say that she said a housekeeper yeah exactly like if if on one end of the spectrum there's people who are not even comfortable saying the word made on the other end of the spectrum there's people like rachel hollis who would prefer to refer to people who do cleaning services as the person who cleans her toilets right which is just so gruesome it's so it's so so demeaning it's so demeaning yeah okay so anyway she basically claps back at this person who accuses her of being not relatable and this is the video so i'm just gonna play it it's like 50 seconds okay and in the caption she talks about how like all of these other figures, female figures of history, were not relatable, including Harriet Tubman, Ruth mm-hmm. Bader Ginsburg, Amelia Earhart, Frida Kahlo. What? Anyway, she, yes, she likens herself to these extremely honestly, figures in history. Like she did a quick Google search of like famous women and then just like quickly scanned the page and then like tried to remember as many as she could. Yeah, I'm sorry, but being an influencer, that does not make you comparable to someone who dedicated her life to freeing slaves. But anyway, let's play the TikTok that she put out. Respond or no, it was an Instagram responding to the commenter that said she wasn't relatable for having a housekeeper doing a live stream. And I mentioned that there's a sweet woman who comes to my house twice a week and cleans. She's my house cleaner. She cleans the toilets. Someone commented and said, you are privileged AF. And I was like, you're right. I'm super freaking privileged, but also worked my ass off to have the money to have someone come twice a week and clean my toilets. And I told her that. And then she said, you're unrelatable. What is it about me that made you think I want to be relatable? No, sis, 
literally everything I do in my life is to live a life that most people can't relate to. Most people won't work this hard. Most people won't get up at 4 a.m. Most people won't fail publicly again and again just to reach the top of the mountain. Literally every woman I admire in history was unrelatable. If my life is relatable to most people, I'm doing it wrong. Dude. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. Um, (sighs) It just – it is just the cringiest thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry, but – saying that your success is based on how hard you work do you know how many people work so hard every day and don't achieve like masses of wealth it's not about that like there's so many factors that go into accumulating a ton of resources not all of which are just grit i think the most yeah 1000 percent. and for me her comment about waking up at 4 a.m to work this hard to what go on your laptop and like answer emails no bitch i'm sorry but like you want to talk about like migrant food workers who have to like bend over all day and pick strawberries like do you want to talk about janitors and custodians like everywhere like no absolutely not there are so many people who work so much harder than her for so much less money so much less yeah and it's just like it's so sick and I think so when I first got my first corporate job I remember thinking like oh my gosh like even on my longest day at this corporate job even if I work 7 a.m till 9 Mm p.m I walk out and I don't feel half as exhausted a quarter of as as exhausted as a long day being a server like no like Nothing compares to manual labor in terms of just like the amount of hard work it takes. Well, and the toll it takes on your body and your spirit. Like I just yes. – how dare she? It's, it's so unbelievable. It is so incredibly tone deaf. Another like aspect of this is her whole brand is like you choose your happiness. Happiness is a choice type of thing, mumbo jumbo. And like I'm a recovering survivor of toxic positivity. I'm just going to put that out there. And I just, like, I don't buy this mentality for a second. Like, as, like, a person who's been in much darker places at different times in my life, whether those were, like, because of a toxic relationship or a toxic job, like, there are so many other factors outside of your brain that make you a happy person. And, like, while you can, like, you can exercise and you can try to, doesn't, you can try to have as many bath bombs as you want and think happy thoughts. Happiness is not a choice. It's not something that you can just, like, switch on in your brain if you have so many external factors working against you. So that's the umbrage I take with her overall brand and, like, gospel. It's the same Nexium gobbledygook. Like, it's the same, like, you're always at cause for your – you have to take full responsibility. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a victim. And it's like, really? So let's talk about someone – like, if you have to deal with a bunch of abuse, like, be it physical or sexual Mm -hmm. or something like that when you're a young person and someone grows up with an idyllic childhood, you think that they both are on the same playing field of, like, of mental Mm well-being? One is going to be struggling deeply probably their entire life, and the other one is going to be – have such a better chance at – just being a well-adjusted happy person right and saying that it's just like it's just a choice to be happy or not it's just it's such a load of bullshit (laughs) completely okay lauren so i've been meaning to ask you and check in on you for a while because i want to know does your soul feel empty do you feel empty is there a gaping void within you Always, at all times. I want to diagnose why that could be. Please. I think it's because Vanderpump Rules has been gone from our lives for far too long. Yes, it has. It absolutely has. And nothing 
could replace the nothing could replace the level of sheer drama intensity deliciousness as Vanderpump Rules I agree but can I suggest a a remedy for this pain it will not take away the void it will not completely fill in this this hole but I do think that below deck Mediterranean has a few of those ingredients that we love from Vanderpump Rules yes okay so let me tell you about it this show I know that we're not like, we're honestly late to the game with this. I know there are plenty of other podcasts or whatever that probably talk about Below Deck Mediterranean every week or Below Deck. I've watched some of Below Deck. I started watching Below Deck Mediterranean and this is what it's got. It scratches several itches for me. Basically, one of those being that I love to fantasize about having a different vocation, wildly different vocation. Okay. Sometimes I manage a boba shop and sometimes I'm a deckhand on a yacht in Croatia. Okay. Uh, Okay. And like, let's face it, I'm not about, I'm not a deckhand. I'm a stewardess. That's like really all that I've, that I've, that's really like what I'm capable of. I don't have the upper body strength to like pull those ropes, but it's got all the amazing ingredients that Vanderpump Rules had before it went to McMansions in Valley Village. Hot people. Mm-hmm. This season two that I started on, Chef Adam is really hot, but he turns out okay. to be a sus character. I don't know that I totally like him right now. Powerful female bosses. A la Captain Sandy, who's like a okay. another LVP. Sans the, the the magenta colors in her wardrobe, but Sans the yeah, Sans the jewel tones. Basically, it's really good. It's just it's dra- it's workplace drama. It's coworkers sleeping with each other. It's good. It's good, and it's easy to watch. It's the perfect show to watch while you're cleaning a room, which is like you know what I do all the time compulsively, and honestly. To go back to the powerful bosses thing, I would like to know what could happen on, you know, Capitol Hill if LVP and Captain Sandy were running things. AOC, step aside. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is a hearty endorsement mm-hmm. of Below Deck Mediterranean. Yes. Yes. Okay. We are having Bugsy, who's on Below Deck Mediterranean, on the pod. We are. And yes. So- And so I've been planning on watching it to prepare for that interview. So this makes me feel good because I was already planning on watching it, but I didn't know if it would be good or not. So now I'm excited. Yeah, it's way good. Awesome. Excellent. Did you ever watch Polygamy USA? Yes, I did. I've been meaning, yeah. I And I I know we've already went over it, so I can be brief. I just want to know. I just want your impression of it. Okay. Everything you said rang true for me when I watched it. And you like really begged me to – you begged me to step into the world of Centennial Park. And I was like, I don't know that I want to watch like this like harsh life. I don't know that I'm interested. And while I did start to watch it and I could literally feel my skin getting drier as I watched it, like my lips were chapped, my throat was scratchy. Centennial Park, Arizona is not easy on the body. Let me tell you. No, it's definitely like one of those places where you blow your nose and like it's like red sand comes out. Yes, yes. But you know what I love about its toughness? I love the toughness on the young men of the community. There is something about the way – I can't remember his first name, but the Thompson husband. Hiram. Hiram. No, Hiram. No, I will get to Hiram. There's something about okay. Thompson Sr. and his tough love that he shows for these boys that I – it's stirring. It, it, okay, Thompson Sr., we're not attracted to him in any way. No, definitely not. He, but – the way he speaks, uh-huh. the, bra- the the gravitas with which he uh-huh. speaks, uh-huh. the bravado, it's extremely it's stirring. Extreme. It's extremely stirring. I would like to send my future sons to Centennial Park just preemptively <laughs> for a couple of years. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't even care if they end up being polygamous and living there. It will make them good men. Yeah. And let's get to Hiram Barton. Who you told me that Hiram Barton steal your heart. was going to steal my heart. And I have a wonderful man in my life, but I cannot ignore a man of valor when I see one. Absolutely not. Hiram is 
a gem of a human being and as valiant of a man as he could be a three knee fight, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And not only do we love men of valor, but we love it when they're wearing Carhartt. Okay. No drinking, no young girls, Bible study for 15 minutes, curfew is 10. I, if you don't think that I'm going to have a letterboard sign in my house with all these rules, I, you've got another thing coming. Think again. I, I honestly am thinking of converting to this fundamentalist Mormon group just because of the intensity and sincerity with which they live their lives. Like, I don't know if you remember the prayer that they did, but like we've listened to a lot of prayers in our time. Sure. Growing up Mormon. And so, there's a lot of times the whoever's praying is asleep at the wheel. There's like a <laughs> script they're reading from and they're phoning it in and we all just are waiting for it to be over so we can finally dig into dinner on Fast Sunday. However... The prayer that they gave, there's such an intensity and like thoughtfulness to the words. It's like they're ta- they're asking like God if like he can be with them in every moment and if they can like comport themselves to carry his spirit with them at right. all times. What? And it's said with like, like they're just coming up with those words for the first time. Right. I don't know. It's, I have the shivers. I know. I think I also the best, completely, the best part about this entire show is that the women choose their husbands. I'm sorry, Bumble who? Like yeah. Centennial Park is the real feminist haven. I don't care who you are. Like what? I, I, and that like to me is so shocking. I I know. And it's like, it's so, it's honestly like there's no crazy weird age disparities that mm-hmm. we could see. Like mm-hmm. it's all very, like very pure relationships. <laughs> the, the wives, like there's like a hot, the, the latest wife is pretty hot. And, and you're like, oh, classic. Latest wife is super hot. She chose him and like he was yeah. like caught off guard. It's not like he had been grooming her or had set his sights on her. It's just, it's healing. It's healing to watch. It's healing to watch. It's balming. It's honestly like my five wives. However, it's much more cinematic. Like mm-hmm. the production quality is insane. It's extremely stirring and it's very much balming for the human spirit. So right. anyway, we highly recommend it, you oh, guys. Last thing, the, the church services are only for those who are eight and up. Genius. You know? Genius, because they take their church services really seriously. Right. And when he was talking in the church service about how the Lord's going to raise up a royal priesthood, it was like very moving. Yeah. I, I, I would like them to true. open a, a summer camp for secular youth. I, yeah, I would that like them to, I would like Centennial Park to recreate a version of its community that's extremely bougie, but that I can go to and raise valiant men in. That's what I would yeah. like. Yeah. So hopefully that will also create a Puerto Rican chapter. Totally. That is my prayer. That is my wish. Maybe they can get Adam Newman to like help with the real estate and everything. Absolutely. You guys, I'm going to, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to create an Amazon account that's for our listeners and I'm going to start buying these shows on it and then I'm just going to put the password on the Patreon so everyone can log in and use <gasps> it if they want. Wait, this that is way they don't have to buy it themselves. Yes. Right? That way... You know, you all you can just log into the Amazon and you can watch all these shows because you guys, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. We want you to be restored. Centennial Park or Polygamy USA is the equinox on Amazon Prime in the way that it will rejuvenate your soul. Definitely. Moments of restoration. Truly. Truly. All right, Chan. This has been fabulous. Fabulous, Lauren. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday. You too. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. 
Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus' wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley, and I'm Jennifer Chaikin, and we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey.